Welcome to Detour to Neverland, where you are the author of your own Disney story. There's a lot of satisfaction in developing ideas into realities. And you can find magic in your everyday life. If you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. How can you write your first chapter today? Dreams are how we figure out where we want to go. Life is how we get there. I'm headed this way. We're your hosts, Brendan and Catherine. Welcome back to Detour to Neverland. Today is episode number 210, and we're so happy you can join us today. So I hope you all had a wonderful weekend. Today we have a very exciting and insightful interview with Vincent from Vincent Vision. Vincent has burst onto the scene in YouTube, and he really has a wonderful channel, so much great content that he's putting out on a weekly basis. Uh, And yeah, we hope you really enjoyed the interview. We talked a lot about collaboration, developing your own style, how do you grind and and devote yourself to something, to growing it over time. So I think there's a lot of really great nuggets for you to pull out and to apply to your own project or your own life. Also wanted to give you a quick preview of what's to come for the rest of this week. On Wednesday, we're doing our storytelling episode on the Haunted Mansion. You probably, if you've been listening, knew that Haunted Mansion was supposed to come out last Wednesday. I'm going to be completely honest. There is so much information on the Haunted Mansion from a storytelling and a backstory aspect. We felt like we needed another week to prepare. So I can promise you it is going to be chocked full of really great information that will change your next experience on the Haunted Mansion. So really excited to share that with you. And then on Friday, we have now officially been in the Orlando area for two months living next to Walt Disney World. So we're going to do another update of our moving series and talk about what it's been like being down here, being down here during a pandemic and just everything that goes along with that. So hope you can join us for both of those episodes. Also on Thursday, we'll have some announcements on social media. So really busy week. Yeah, lots of exciting things. But without further ado, we are going to turn it over to Vincent, where he's going to introduce himself and share one fun fact that you might not know about him from social media. All right. Hey, everybody. Hi, I'm Vincent from Vincent Vision. How y'all doing? Uh, Random fun fact about me. I before I moved to Orlando, I lived in Miami. And one of the last jobs I had in Miami before I decided to live in Orlando was I worked at a dog hotel, a hotel for dogs. It was called Dogtown. It was great. I learned a lot about dogs. I've always loved dogs, but that was a really great experience. Would I work there again? Probably not, but I'm glad I had it. Okay, so we're big dog people. What was the best and the worst part about working at the dog hotel? Okay, so the best part was that like I was like a caretaker. So I just stayed there the whole day and like you just got to play with the dogs. There was like this big room where they would run around and stuff like that. And that was awesome. But the worst was you know, the highs are high and the lows are like really messy. And I would also have to get there super, super early. Like I'd get there at 6 a.m. and it was a hotel. So it was an overnight stay for dogs. And just like, imagine being super, super tired and maybe you didn't get coffee. So you're opening the door at 6am and a chorus of just dogs (laughs) all barking at once wakes you every single day. Oh, that was the rough. That was like the worst part. Rough. No pun intended. (laughs) I I would go home with a lot of headaches. I feel like. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot, a lot of dog hair. Well, we have that problem. Currently, I'm wearing a shirt that I've I wore it yesterday as well. 
just as kind of like a lounge shirt around the house. And it, it, it could be classified as a dog, I think, at this point. Yeah. It's got that much hair. Kind of gross. We have two corgis. I don't know if you're familiar with corgis, but someone told us that they have two shedding seasons. Oh, God. We've since learned it's from January to June and then July to December. <laughs> I've got I've got one guy here who I, I've always had like short haired dogs. So it always had like Labrador retrievers and stuff like that. Um, and I got one guy here. His name is Kent. He's got like longer hair. And he I mean, he, he sheds a little bit, but like not terrible. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely getting used to uh, a lot more hair, especially because I lived without a dog here for a good couple of years. Like, gosh, like five years without a dog. And I, I miss those days of not having to vacuum my house as frequently in my furniture, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're with you. So thank you for that. That's an awesome fun fact about you that I assume most people probably didn't know about you. But let's go ahead and lay that groundwork. What is your Disney story? How did you fall in love with it? How has it grown and, and how you develop that passion over time? Well, I um, have lived in Florida my whole life. I, you know, like a lot of people, how it all really kind of starts out is I grew up with Disney. I was very fortunate. I always had like a big once a year trip and we'd always go to Orlando because from Miami, where I'm from, that was only about four hours, give or take. So like, my godparents and my grandparents and my mom and dad, we would always go once a year. And that really did like set up the seeds for liking it. And, you know, I'm, I know I'm going to might get some flack for this. I know this is a Disney podcast, but like the event that really did trigger my love of like theme parks in general was like, I went to <laughs> islands of adventure around when it opened up and I rode the Spider-Man ride. And I remember coming back and like telling all my, my kids in school, like my fellow middle schoolers, like what happened? Like I was like, I went to space or something. It was, I was so amazed with that ride. And that really just like kickstarted this love where I started to learn more and more about the parks in that age. And eventually I hear, you know, in Miami, I got old enough and I decided I wanted to live on my own and I wanted to move to Orlando and be closer to all of that stuff. Well, we can identify with that. I mean, we watched your video about the 10 year anniversary of Hogsmeade opening up in Islands of Adventure. And we felt the same way that, you know, a lot of times those events or something new opening or something completely transformative in theme parks triggers so many other things in your life. Like, you know, you mentioned that it had you develop a deeper appreciation for uh, Harry Potter and the same thing for us. And and now I think that that carries over to Disney as well. It has, you know, once those seeds were planted and into adulthood, was there ever a time where you took a break from theme parks or, you know, it wasn't as cool anymore or is it kind of consistent throughout? I think it was it was pretty consistent throughout. And I would even say like it got <laughs> crazier because uh, I moved to Orlando. And one of the first things I did was buy an annual pass. And I like remember it was just like so invigorating to like actually live in Orlando and be 20 minutes away versus four hours. And I would just go every weekend, every weekend. I would go even just to like walk around and not do anything like it got once I became independent and started living on my own and was able to make my own uh, financial decisions as an adult. I spent a lot of time there. So and it, it was nice. 
I feel like that's the true sign of like a, a local is you buy all the annual passes. Like right now we've been going through the process of like, do we buy a universal pass? Cause we've never had one before. Yes. We haven't honestly been to universal <laughs> in years, but we're like, okay, which one do we buy? Do we you know buy it up front? Do we do the payment thing? It's like a whole process. And I feel like that's very much like an Orlando local thing. And it's like, you know, like for me, like having an annual pass or just being a local is like, there's almost like this, this, this power that, comes with going to the park and knowing that you only really need to be there for like an hour or two. You don't have to ride every single ride and you can come back anytime you, you feel like, wow, you know, people come here. They they save all this money to come here. And here I am just waltzing right in and doing this and doing that. And, and it feels more, you, you also feel a little bit more like, responsible and you feel more of like a sense of ownership where like you have this much more personal relationship with the parks now that it becomes part of your day-to-day well i think for me it just relieved a lot of pressure a lot of those things that you're talking about where you can just visit for a couple hours and you don't feel like you have to get your money's worth quote unquote because you're spreading it out Mm -hmm. over a 12-month calendar and so you can just go and grab a snack or grab a drink and ride one ride and get out of there. And, and you feel like you've accomplished something that day. So I think there is a, a mental aspect to it as well, that you get to experience the parks in a much deeper way once you've made that jump, because then you're not worried about taking off the boxes of all the e-ticket attractions. You're, you're more just worried about what can I get into today? And I, and I will say like, it's, as like, if you are someone who is going for a week and you don't live here and stuff like that, there is a really nice like benefit of that in the sense of you can sometimes miss, you know, Disney World or the theme parks more. You know, there are more happier days if you're there for a week versus if, you know, you go all the time. I, I find myself now, especially living here, I go and I, I don't want to say that like it's not as joyful, but since I'm here all the time. I experience it in a different way and I can be there some days where I'm like, well, today was a wash. Today wasn't a very good day. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And that's why we all have to go to Disneyland. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny how that works. So I think that lays a great groundwork to learn more about your fandom and, and kind of how your passion drives you for it. So let's talk about the inception of Vincent Vision. So where did it get started? What was the initial idea? What conversations took place to get it off the ground? So Vincent Vision happened sometime around year two or three of my time in Orlando. I had been here for that amount of time and I was visiting the parks all the time. And in Miami, I had a creative background. I went to school for performing arts. I did theater. I did acting. Um, I went to college for a little bit in a, in a performing arts school in Miami. And when I decided to start living in Orlando and kind of working and stuff like that, I realized that I didn't really have like a creative outlet. And yes, I liked visiting the parks and having that good time, but I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't, doing anything you know what i mean i was just sort of like i felt like a just like a spectator in a sense um so what i was able to do was i got in contact with attractions magazine and i was able to sort of start producing content for them 
with this live stream that we did called Early Night Live, which was like an every Thursday thing. And that went on for a couple of years and it, it's still going on now. But I had done that for, gosh, it felt like maybe about two years or so. And halfway through that, I realized, you know, I kind of want to like make things myself i kind of want to do my own thing and i think that's that that kind of spark happens for a lot of people where they see people making videos and stuff like that and they go hmm i could do that and i know that i could do that in a way that would be different and would stand out and i think that i you know i I have the personality for it and i think that's what kind of got me into making videos well i think that uh, like you said a lot of people have that initial idea that i can do this but i think you know we fell into this category that you think i can do this but then it takes you quite a while to act on it so you said you got the idea about halfway through doing the show did you start laying the groundwork right at that point that you knew eventually it was going to be something that you wanted to take on as a solo venture i think so I think there were just like what happened was with that live stream format, we were on every Thursday and sometimes there were really cool things happening in the theme park world that weren't specifically on a Thursday. And I wanted some way to be there for that. And that's kind of like what happened. I remember the first video I ever did was Pandora. I went to Pandora on July 4th cause I wanted to do something on the 4th of July. And I did that. And like, it just, I wanted a little bit more control. I wanted something that was a little bit more of mine because I had been doing this live stream for attractions, which is, a, you know, it's a really big news source for theme parks. But I, you know, I wanted something with my name on it, something that like I could be in control of that was still a creative endeavor. And that's kind of where Vincent Vision came in. <laughs> well, I think so many people can relate to that because, you know, even just, you know, with our story, we were working kind of corporate America jobs, not doing, you know, like what we loved. And you want to have that space that is truly your own, like truly your vision and what you've pictured. And I think once everyone reaches that point, you know, it's very scary. So when you decided I'm doing this, I'm going to Pandora, you know, from there on, did everything kind of go as you expected or were there some twists and turns along the way? I think the biggest thing for me was starting out. I kind of, I kind of went with the way that I had seen others do it. You know, you, you always want to, you, you want to pull references and you want to figure out, all right, these guys are doing it really, really successfully. How can I do that as well? So like, you know, name dropping like the big ones, like an Adam, the woo, like a Tim tracker and stuff like that. You watch those videos and you're like, okay, that seems pretty easy. I can do that. And you do that. And (laughs) my brain works in, it's very impatient where I'm like, you put out a video and in 30 minutes, if it doesn't have a million views, I feel like I've uh, failed colossally. (laughs) Uh, But I think I realized over time, because now it's been, Gosh, it's been a little over three years that I've been doing these videos is that time is the biggest, the biggest test, the biggest hurdle you will face because I've put out well over a hundred videos. I used to do once a week. And when I was first starting out, it was like, I felt like I was struggling to do that at times. It felt hard to like go out there and 
like, gosh, what do I even want to talk about this week? How, how can I make something unique and interesting and stand out every single week? But I realize, you know, you can just, it doesn't really necessarily have to be this giant production every time you go out. I used to be really, really big on making these like big, fun, elaborate intros in my videos. And now I've kind of condensed that. I found a way to still have something that's unique and fun without doing this whole production out in the parks. And I, and I think that's been my big thing as well. Now I'm just starting to see the the gain and the the increased results that I was looking for when I first started this well, I will say your intro is awesome. We were coming on that last night and we were doing our research. Like, you know, the first time you see it, like, okay, this is pretty cool. And now you're like, you're hearing it in your head. You're like, I'm looking. Awesome. <laughs> so, so I would say job well done on that. But, you know, you talked about, and I, and I think it's a method that works, but you also have to be cognizant of it, of a lot of people. And, and we did this as well, that you start in copycat mode. So you, you yeah. know. You mentioned that you looked at Tim Tracker and Adam the Woo and and all those big guys and and looking at how they are creating video. We did the same thing with podcasts. We took, like I've said it many times, we took the exact same format of uh, EO Fire from John Lee Dumas. And I just applied it to Disney and copy, paste, put it in there, start doing interviews. And it worked for a while. And then... You know, you just have to be cognizant of eventually I'm going to have to start carving out my own space. I'm going to have to start creating my own style. So do you have any advice for someone going through that process of, you know, you get it off the ground kind of in copycat mode, but then how do you expand out and and kind of spread your wings out to carve out your own little space and your own little pieces of style? I think there's a balance where you, when you get the wood block, you want to make it look how you want to look, but you also want to make something that appeals to a wide audience. And I think that's, that really is, that's the challenge there is how do I make something that's unique and stand out and fun and people enjoy it, but it's also easy to enjoy by a lot of people. And, and that's kind of been my, my, my lesson over time. And that's, I mean, that's really the advice I would, I would give is, you know, be true to yourself, but realize if you are trying to make this succeed, if you are trying to reach more people, you're going to have to, I I guess, get on people's levels. You know what I mean? Like if you want to do however you want to do it, go for it. You will find people who will like it. But if you are trying to be on the up and up, you kind of have to look at the world and see what people like, what people are interested in. So just be I, aware, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I think that's good advice because you have to be consistent. You have to be yourself. I mean, it's very apparent when people are faking it or, you know, trying too hard or whatever it might be. And that is something that we've noticed in your videos too, is that you're very honest with your viewers, which we appreciate, you know, you say things like, Hey, I'm going to put this camera down for a while so I can experience something, or this is what's happening, or this is the, you know, the difficulty in filming at a water park or whatever it might be. And, you know, I think that's something that's interesting is, you know, how do you find that balance when, you know, to make the theme park still enjoyable since you yourself are a Disney fan, but also still creating the content that you want. I think, you know, like 
with how do I find it enjoyable is your it's you're absolutely right is is putting the camera down sometimes and and not going into work mode. And I remember a friend of mine told me I, I brought him along one day because I was filming a video at the parks. I needed an extra set of hands to like help me film an idea I had. And like he could see me getting very visibly frustrated with a shot that wasn't working out or like we were trying to do this like certain thing and there was just too many people in the way. And he was just like, don't let this like burn you out. And it's absolutely true. You know, there you you can't like, I I love the parks and I'll always have that passion for it. But there are some times when I go and I'm doing a video and it does feel like work and I'm trying to get something done and something's not letting me do that. And I'm just like, ah, I, I don't think, there have I could count on my hands. I think the times that I've gone to the theme parks without the intention of filming something, and that's I mean it. It almost feels like a sacrifice you have to make when you're making these types of videos. But that's when the the audience comes in, and that's when the honesty comes in, where I'm talking to them and I'm 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 saying, hey, you know, it's kind of tricky to do this. I'm I'm kind of letting them in on my thought process. It's still kind of like a performative. I don't know if the word, if that's the proper word for it, but in the sense where I I treat it like a stage where, you know, I I do want to be honest with my, my viewers and the people who watch these videos, but I don't want to give them everything away. I don't want to tell them that (laughs) I had a fight with my girlfriend or something like that, you know, the (laughs) night before and talk about that while I'm at galaxy's edge and stuff like that. So I think, uh, I think that's, how I do it is, is, is be honest and, and have that sort of personal connection. And I guess sometimes share those frustrations with my viewers. So looking into that creative process a little bit, and we felt this pressure already, you know, we've only been in Orlando for a month and a half now. And of course the parks were closed for the first little while that we were here, but now that we've been back and especially even with this reservation system, we feel like, We've got to get every piece of content that we need. And it's almost like we're still in Tennessee mode where it was like we were only (laughs) visiting three or four times a year. And it's like, we got to get enough content to spread out throughout the entire year. (laughs) So when you go to a park and I guess let's say the reservation system does not exist in this alternative universe, you know, is it a lot of times just going in and freeforming and just seeing what you can figure out? Or do you try to make a shot list or, you know, a plan for what you're going to do. And and then once you accomplish that, that's when you can put the camera down. I definitely have a plan. Yeah. I, I go in to an extent knowing that this is what I want to do. And honestly, a lot of video ideas are just inspired by random little moments I have where I'm at home and I go, huh, you know what? That'd be really cool. If I did this, I should try and go to Hollywood studios and, or like, I was like, Oh, I want to show people the moment that it takes like the moment of getting a boarding pass for rise of resistance. Cause it's super, super tense. And I want to put the camera at this setup and show me and show the screen of my actual phone and what it's like. And if I get a great boarding group, you're going to see that celebration. Or if I don't get a great boarding group, you're going to see that meltdown. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's, it's real and it happens to people in the parks. So I, I definitely have like an idea. And a lot of the times, like, especially now it's so hot. So when I'm done with a video, I usually I'm like, all right, time to pack it up. My videos are usually an all day affair. Like as in, I'll, I'll go into the parks really early and I'll get out at some point during the day and I'll just spend the entirety of the day 
putting out a video, especially for those topics that are like, oh, it's the grand opening of Star Wars or it's the grand opening of Mickey and Minnie's or something like that. You know, you always timeliness is super, super important for those types of videos. One other thing that I wanted to cover and. I think you've done a beautiful job on it, you know, replying to comments, but also interacting within the community, you know, on Twitter and Instagram and, and whatever it must might be. I think, you know, we are very uh, transparent. We have the utmost respect for anybody who makes any sort of video content. It's something that we have had on our horizon for the longest time and we just can't get a grasp over it. But we are comfortable podcasting. But I do think there's a parallel between podcasting and YouTube in that a lot of times it feels like you're screaming into a vacuum that you're not getting that immediate feedback that the results do trickle in over time. And it's not in, in a, there's not a science to it. A lot of time, like you said, it is just time. So do you have any advice or how do you get over that hurdle? Because creating podcasts, creating YouTubes, creating blogs, I think too, a lot of times can be a lonely process when you're not getting that immediate feedback. It is. It can be really, really lonely. You're absolutely right. I think what I would say is to kind of help with that is uh, form a bond with the audience that you do have. The people that do comment or rather, you know, the people who go out of their way to comment because people watch millions and hundreds of videos and listen to dozens of podcasts on their free time while they're sitting at home. But there's only really a small group of people who are watching your videos or listening to your podcasts that are taking the time out of their day to respond. And you want to treat those people like angels. Now, if they're saying something mean and uh, they're obviously some, <laughs> some troll, uh, yeah, you do whatever you want. You want to, <laughs> but those people who are fans and you're, I, you know, I call them my day ones or my OGs. Like you guys like you, connect with them. Cause that's, what's going to help you get through those hurdles. And I will say like, you know, talking about loneliness and stuff like that, like for me, I do a lot of videos on my own. I, I, I collaboration is so, so important. It is crazy to me. Sometimes I will do a video with a friend or I'll, I'll go on like a, a podcast and I'll just notice like m my subscriber count bump up. I, uh, you know, by 50 people or, or 200 people or whatever, you know, just cause I was in the video with some other person. And it's crazy to like me how, Oh, that's how people get to know you. You know what I mean? That, that, that this algorithm and the search function that'll only do so much, but like, it's not until I'm out there hanging out with Jackie, my friend, Jackie from super enthused. And we're having a good time when people are like, Hey, I saw you in her video. And now I'm watching your videos. And that's really a really big part of it. And that's honestly like has been a really big part of my growth is just engaging with people and making friends with these fellow creators. And just even like, I guess, you know, people on Twitter and these personalities and stuff like that who end up watching your stuff and they say, you know what? I really, really like this stuff. I mean, that collaboration 100% is everything. And I mean, like you said, it's just that it's that interesting, you know, you being associated with someone else that helps people connect those dots. And we would be remiss not to ask about a collaboration that you're currently involved in with the societies, which if 
listeners, if you're not familiar with it, it's a fictional theme park inspired audio drama, which we had to do some research about that because we've never heard of that before. Um, with people like Kevin from the Funkland, uh, Disney Dan, Rob plays a lot of other people. Um, so what has that been like? Because that's quite the unique project. So that I will say points on you for, I guess, <laughs> did, did you did you hear mine? Did you like it? You like my country accent that I put on for that? I, I had a lot of fun with that. <laughs> Loved it. I don't it know if you fun. guys ever played uh, 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 Red Dead Redemption, but that's where I got my inspiration from that video game. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that is a really cool thing that I'm proud of. Because for me, it, it it was a really big moment to be invited into that little that little circle. Those guys, they're, they're a little tight group of friends, but they're all really creative theme park content creators. You know, they make all these really awesome, interesting videos that are just more than your typical like, hey, I'm out here at Epcot and I'm doing this and that. Like, which, you know, I do a lot of, but I try to keep it unique and creative. Um, gosh, what was this? This was last year. I was, you know, minding my own business, do, 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 scrolling on the internet. And then I get a message from defunct land and he goes, Hey, this is Kevin. Uh, I really like your videos. I wanted to know if you wanted to do a video with uh, me and Disney Dan at Hollywood studios. We're going to film something for this channel we're making. And I was like, uh, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> I can't believe I'm getting recognized by freaking defunct land. This awesome video maker. You know, it felt nice. I felt like I had like a, like my channel was like a really small coffee shop, but like only the coolest people went to this coffee shop. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I did that. And like, I I met them and I, you know, it's funny. Like I went, I I recognized Disney Dan because he obviously has his face in his videos and he'll stuff like that. Um, So I met them at the spot and he's like, Oh, hi, I'm Dan. Nice to meet you. Oh, hi, I'm Vincent. And then I turn and it's the other guy. And he's like, oh, hi there. I'm Kevin. And I'm like, hi there. I'm Vincent. And I'm like, now I know what you look like, buddy. I got it. <laughs> gotcha. Um, but, you know, that I think led into just hit us, him asking me to do little things every so often. I provided voiceovers and little random one off bits and pieces for defunct land videos and stuff like that. So it's nice to be in that in that sort of creative circle. Well, first off, that's a really good Kevin impression. So. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah. It's funny. One more, one more, one more story. I'm so sorry. Uh, but I remember I was sitting there, we were having like lunch at some restaurant at Hollywood studios and it was a whole bunch of other people. And it was like, honestly, this was a really cool moment for me because I just felt like I was meeting my tribe. You know what I mean? I was meeting all these people who do all these types of videos, but he was sitting there talking about this video idea he had. He's like, so the video is going to be like this, where basically in 1977, this and this happened. And and I interrupt him. I'm like, hold on. I feel like I'm watching one of your videos right now. Like I am <laughs> in it right now. It was so cool. It's like a live reading. Um, but yeah, it was, I don't know. This is really cool. Sorry to interrupt. No, no, no. I love it. But, and, and I think that goes to show that you never know who out, who's out there viewing your stuff. Like you're, we joke about it all the time. Like when we're doing, we do these storytelling episodes on Wednesdays and we say, yeah, Tony Baxter, big listener of the show. Like he loves it. <laughs> Joe Rody loves it, but you never know. And when you keep producing really, really great content, you got to remember that some of these titans of the space that that we all look up to and we all just love their content, they consume content themselves too. Like they are the biggest Disney theme park, whatever space you're in, fans. And so there is that potential. And they're also very open to, 
you know, letting people in and, and, and having those conversations. So I think that's also a great advice to shoot for the stars. Like you can, you can connect with these people and form these relationships and you never know what can happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, And I will say like the theme park community is as far as like internet communities, as far as internet niches is not that big. It's a pretty small world. Like, I didn't mean that as like a pun, uh, but like, <laughs> you know, it really is just like a small group of people and you can, these people hang out at four locations. You're going to very likely find them at fourth places, Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios, or Animal Kingdom. You know what I mean? Like th- these communities are, are really, really small. And like, even me where I only have, I have about a 4.3 thousand subscribers, which in the YouTube world is pebbles. You know, there's like all these like actual, like big YouTube types of 10 min, tens of millions of subscribers, but I can go to a theme park and one, maybe two people will point me out and say, Hey, you're Vincent, which to me, first of all, makes me feel like a rock star, but <laughs> I'm just like, wow, awesome. I'm in this little, you know, it, it really is like this little world. And all these people are, pretty attainable. You can go up to him and say, Hey, or message him and say, Hey, I'm Johnny. And I want to have a video idea. And you know, it's, I don't think anyone is, is too far out of reach. Yeah, I think that's true. I learned this in the business world in a past life when I was <laughs> in sales and everything. And they were saying most everybody that you want to reach is only two calls away that you have your network and they have their extended network and almost everybody that you were trying to get in touch with is two calls away. And I think that applies even more so to the Disney space, because like you said, it's smaller, it's more compact, it's more intimate. People have these really deep relationships and, you know, you can't downplay the, I hate the word networking. Mm -hmm. I despise the word networking, but some synonym for networking (laughs) in this spot. And it's, it's, I will say though, it's interesting and it's tough for me. And I think for me personally, that's my, my next big hurdle is, I'm sorry, I don't know another word for it either, but networking where I, I need to do more stuff with other people and other video creators and other vloggers. But it's also like, it's, it's tricky because you want to, the nature of vlogging is that you are sharing a personal part of your life for a, a day of your life. And you know, you're going out having fun and people are watching your videos like that. And I think sometimes just because two people make videos doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be friends in real life. You know what I mean? So I've, I've always, I've thought of like people that I'm like, man, I should message this guy and say, Hey, I really like your videos. Do you want to hang out one day? But like, what if we're just not (laughs) compatible at all as friends? You know what I mean? And then it's just like this really weird video and it's like, you know, so with vlogging, it just, I guess it, it has to just happen naturally. At least for me, I feel more comfortable having it happen naturally versus trying to force a relationship. And I don't want to seem like I'm trying to ride coattails either. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. I can, I can only imagine something like that caught on camera would be a very (laughs) uncomfortable situation. (laughs) But I think, I mean, again, that's very relatable. I mean, it is hard to reach out to people and to know uh, we were in a group one time Again, not again, not related to Disney, but we were told, you know, it's hard to put a bunch of adults in one room and just expect everyone to be friends. So there is that element of it 
where everyone's friendly for sure, but I guess you, you never know if you're going to hit it off. But once you find those people that you attach to, I think you do have to continue flexing that relationship. And like you mentioned, Jackie from Super Enthused is someone that seems like you get along even, uh, you know, on a personal level yeah. as well and on a professional level. And we have those same people in the podcasting space as well. So I think you have to, once you find someone like that, that you, that you mesh with, you understand them, you understand what makes them tick. You got to keep pursuing other relationships like that. Well, good deal. Vincent, this has been such a fun chat on the first half of the episode. We thank you for giving us a look behind the scenes and learning more about your story behind Vincent Vision. I know our listeners have enjoyed it so much. We're going to take a quick break and hear a message from our partners, and then we'll be back to play the Fast Pass round. All right. Like many of you, Catherine and I both also have full-time jobs. Catherine is about to return back to school. I have major projects going on right now in my career. And so sometimes Detour has to take a backseat on the scheduling side of things. It doesn't mean we're any less devoted to it, but sometimes time gets in the way and we're not able to put everything that we want into it. That's where a tool like Tailwind comes in use. We have some free time on the weekends. We're able to go in, schedule out our post, schedule out what the message is that we want to share throughout the week, and then we set it and forget it. Whenever we do have spare time, then we can do it on engaging or reaching out and having these meaningful conversations that we want to have. So if you think that is something that would help you in your project, head to detourtoneverland.com slash tailwind. There you can sign up for a completely free trial, figure it out, see if it's something that works for you and maybe implement it into your project. Again, that's detourtoneverland.com slash tailwind or hit the link in our show notes. Okay, so we are back. Are you ready for your first question? Mm-hmm. Okay, so your favorite attraction in Magic Kingdom? Oh, uh, uh Splash Mountain. That's <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no, I can't. Uh, <laughs> I like the water ride. I like the drops. I like getting wet, and you don't get that wet, and it's fun, and it's a long ride, so you get your value, and that is the only reason I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Those are all very good reasons. So are you excited for the Princess and the Frog version? Yeah, absolutely. I hope it's like I hope it's like Little Mermaid where it's all animatronics. You know what I mean? Princess and the Frog has some really good music. I'm excited. I just when is it we don't really know when it's gonna happen though, right? It's kinda it's gonna be like years. Probably. I think so. Yeah. yeah. But I'm excited. Okay, we'll probably do another release of it. <laughs> yeah, I know. All kinds of stuff. Oh we'll see God. the line I don't want to really talk about that. Those people <laughs> buying the 60,000 rare plushes and... <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculousness. Yep. So I think I might... I'm, I'm interested to know through your videos if I can answer this question for you. So I'll let you know if I'm on the same wavelength <laughs> as you. Disney, Pixar, Marvel, or Star Wars, one has to go. Which one is it? Oh, you know what? Goodbye, Disney. Wow. What? Yeah, I think Pixar is does what Disney does, but for a broader audience with, you know, adults can watch Pixar movies. Kids can watch Pixar movies. The Marvel movies, I enjoy them a lot. And then obviously Star Wars is Star Wars. But I don't know. I'm not like, a, I mean, yeah, obviously I watched Disney movies as a kid, but that's really kind of the extent of it. And I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, I, I've seen Tangled and, you know, Frozen and all that stuff. I love Frozen. I like all of that. But 
Yeah, I think as a as a as a 28 year old man right now, that's kind of where I'm at. My new Star Wars would never even <laughs> pop into your mind. Yeah. No, no. Star Wars, it's Star Wars stays. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one is what is your favorite Disney resort? And it doesn't necessarily have to be one that you've stayed at. My favorite Disney resort, my my dream Disney resort to stay at is gotta be Animal Kingdom Lodge. I've visited a bunch of times. I've gone just to fantasize about staying there. I love the idea of like the Savannah rooms and I know it's probably not how it's going to happen, but I've always just envisioned myself like waking up one morning in my nice animal kingdom bathrobe. I have a cup of coffee (laughs) and I get onto the balcony and there's a, there's a giraffe like its head is just there. You know what I mean? And I can just pet it and I'm like feeding it grass or something like that. And then, yeah. I haven't even seen the rooms, but I just imagine that's what would happen. So definitely like Animal the, Kingdom Lodge. It's like the Animal Kingdom version of Snow White. All the animals just yeah, exactly. like, it's like you. Oh my God. Wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> 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 that and like the Disneyland Hotel. I've I've gone there once and I just like, I remember going in there and being like, the seats are teacups and like the characters <laughs> were walking around and I thought that was so cool. So I would say those two for sure. Those are good ones. Next one is your favorite meal on property. Ooh, my favorite meal on property. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and say this is my favorite meal right now. Currently, the one that I eat all the time and I enjoy it. This I know this isn't really exciting, but it is the Endorian tip yip salad, which is a chicken salad at Galaxy's Edge. I just think it's really good. I eat it all the time. And also when I'm eating a salad at Disney World, I feel like I'm winning. I feel like I'm on top of my life, you know? (laughs) That's a very responsible meal choice, especially when you're surrounded by burgers. But we had the tip yip recently and it was actually really good. Yeah, it's great. All all like the the Galaxy's Edge food is pretty solid i would say at first it's, it's i mean some of it's kind of a little strange i'll admit and like not for the better but they've got some good ones there i love the, the just the tip on its own the cube the the rectangle <laughs> chicken it's kind of fun what did we have at docking base we had like a the moose thing that was not good it was oh, like the yeah. no it was like the little it's like the dome thing it was like chocolate is it like the pan oh have you ever had the uh the one in pandora where it's like a blue dome it's like oh that one is actually really good second place for food has got to be satuli canteen i just like the options and like it's actually pretty good do you mix it up i get the same thing every time i go to satuli <laughs> i get the same thing too i'm a kind of person honestly if you just gave me the same type of food i could just eat it every single day like I, I, I don't need too much variety. I, I mean, I will, but like, if you were just like, you have to eat rice and chicken for the rest of your life, I'd be like, uh, okay, <laughs> I'll do it. Probably be better for me anyway, you know? Yeah, we can relate to that. So your next question is, what is your favorite Disney movie? And it can be any of the umbrellas, Marvel, Star Wars, Pixar. I'm not going to include Star Wars because I think it's too much of a cop out. But as far as like, Favorite Disney movie, something I always think back to is Pixar and Finding Nemo. I love, I love, I love Finding Nemo. I just love the way it's animated. I think it's a really beautiful movie. I think it's a really great adventure. I love the father and son 
story and the music is great and it's funny you know it's a funny movie too and i think i think finding nemo is pretty up there for me i think oftentimes people forget how big of a phenomenon finding nemo was seriously people's minds with how beautiful it was and it's i mean the show is great the show at animal kingdom i enjoy it quite a bit i mean it's got a ride it's got a pretty strong presence so like you're right i think people did forget how popular finding nemo was and finding dory was fine too but finding nemo is where it's at it's hard to beat the original yeah i feel like so next one would be where would you want to take walt for a drink (laughs) uh i would uh, (laughs) club 33 (laughs) uh, like hey could you help me out man get us in no um i would you know, I was going to say Ogre's Cantina, like instinctively, but I was just imagining like being in Ogre's Cantina before social distancing and like how crazy and hectic it would be. And I don't think I could really explain to him why this is in Disney World, <laughs> but, you know, let's go ahead and say Ogre's Cantina. I'll, I'll sit there and be like, this is why this is here. So they bought it. They bought the movies and put it here. <laughs> they didn't make this. <laughs> He'd probably be pretty impressed by that. Oh, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Just like something like Rise of the Resistance. I remember writing that for the first time. And I was like, imagine if I had taken someone from the opening day of Disneyland and put them on that ride. They would their heads would explode. They would think they're in (laughs) space. You know what I mean? (laughs) They would think like we got on a ship and we flew down back to planet Earth. Like, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say they'd probably have a heart attack. <laughs> they'd be freaking out. So next is share one of your unpopular quote unquote Disney opinions. Uh, so this has changed recently, but one of my big unpopular opinions before was I just I really didn't like going to Magic Kingdom. I think Magic Kingdom was so so not worth it it was busy all the time you know you had to go on a adventure to get there you had to get on the monorail and go this and that and it was just like the fireworks you had to stand there for an hour and and this is now you know like what we were talking about earlier this is now like from the perspective of someone who lives here and isn't waiting all year to go you know what i mean (laughs) so like it's it's i used to really not like magic kingdom to visit, but now with the reservation system and the fact that there's pretty much nobody there, Magic Kingdom really has like risen up the ranks for me as a park that I enjoy visiting. So it's an unpopular opinion that I had. And now I think with this new world where uh where our opinions are changing. <laughs> I will say you're not alone on that island. We've kind of had that same conversation since moving here that it is kind of a pain in the butt to have to go through the TTC to get to magic kingdom. It's so just, it's just so easy. At the other parks, <laughs> like you're at the gate and yeah, like a concept to be able to park your car and walk to the theme park. <laughs> like huh, that's crazy. We should try that out. I'm just remembering old school Disneyland when you literally park like at the gate. That's what I want. I will say I w- I'm a sneaky boy. And for the longest time, I would always just park at one of the hotels. Like I would always go to like the Polynesian or the contemporary and just be like, Oh yeah, I'm visiting. And they'd be like, what are you visiting? I'd be like, oh, I'm just visiting, you know, <laughs> just, just so I can park my car temporary and walk to magic kingdom. Yeah. That's the good the old dream. days. Yeah. yeah I know, but they got a lot more strict with that. 
Mm-hmm. Who do you think is, I don't even know how to word this question. Who is the character that you think is most similar to yourself? Who's most similar to myself right now at this point in my life. I feel like Disney's newest acquisition, Alexander Hamilton. Uh, I, uh, <laughs> I think, no, I, I am, uh, I'm in a point right now where I I'm doing my videos and I'm seeing the progress and I don't want to stop. I feel nonstop and I just want to keep on going and keep on going. I only reference Hamilton cause it's on Disney plus. I hope that's okay. <laughs> Not oh, yeah. Switch it around. Um, but I think right now I'm at a point in my life where I I'm, I'm doing this and, and I'm really focused on this and I am trying to do whatever I can to rise above my station and, and make this a success. So that's my answer. Now everybody at home is going to be singing Hamilton songs for the rest yes, of the day. You're welcome guys. <laughs> that's for you all. But I do love that answer because I do think it is, uh, you can see that through your channel right now. Um, you know, we've been following along for, I'd say about two months now. So we're, we're one of the newest, uh, members of your audience, but you, you can tell you're hungry and you want it, but you're also going about it the right way. Um, so I think that's, what's attracting so many people. And and that's why you have eyes on you. Did I'm dumb. Yeah. Way to throw that in there. Great. All right. (laughs) So awesome. So that concludes the fast pass round. Our very last question for you, Vincent, is something we ask all of our guests. It's you have if you have one piece of parting guidance that you can give to someone who's looking to jump into this community and find that creative space that they're so passionate about, what would your advice be to that person? You know, it's it's gonna be what my friend told me that one day is don't let it burn you out. Don't lose the fun. Don't lose the love. You know, you can have that relationship. You can have that creative relationship with the parks without losing your love for them. So, you know, find that balance and, and speak true about what interests you. You know what I mean? Don't fake it. Yeah. That is solid advice. And I think anybody can use that for their own personal journey. So very last thing for you, if you can remind our listeners where they can connect with you online. You guys, you got to connect with me on YouTube, youtube.com slash Vincent Vision. That is where I have my YouTube channel, my videos. I hope you like them. I have an Instagram and a Twitter as well. I'm trying to like lean back on those a little bit, peel off of those, but I am pretty active on there. You can talk to me there. Twitter is Vincent Vision 4D and Instagram is the same as well. Vincent Vision 4D. So I hope you guys check my stuff out. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, that's all I got. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I can say we had a great time talking to you and, of course, getting to know more about you and Vincent Vision. So thank you. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Thank you for listening to Detour to Neverland. Make sure you subscribe and leave us an iTunes review if you enjoyed the show. Between episodes, you can find us on Instagram at Detour to Neverland or visit DetourToNeverland.com. We appreciate you letting us be part of your day. See you real soon.